This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick in for Libby Zneimer. Bank employees are talking about their companies and whether they truly have your best interests at heart. And June is World Elder Abuse Awareness Month. We'll talk about what one Ontario organization has planned for the occasion. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Scientists may be getting close to predicting whether someone has a higher risk of developing Alzheimer's. Researchers from the University of Southern California looked at 445 people, about half of whom had elevated levels of an amyloid molecule in their brains, the rest had normal levels. The researchers found that those with the elevated levels were more likely to suffer cognitive decline within 10 years. You can read more about the study in the Journal of the American Medical Association. The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Canada stepping down later this year, 73-year-old Beverly McLaughlin, is the first woman to hold a top job on the High Court and is also Canada's longest-serving Chief Justice. She was sworn in as a Justice of the Supreme Court in 1989 and appointed Chief Justice 11 years later. The Prime Minister congratulated McLaughlin on her upcoming retirement, saying her judicial accomplishments are unparalleled in Canadian history. For those who idolize Zoomer legend Audrey Hepburn, your opportunity to own a piece of her legacy comes this September when items from her own personal collection go to auction at Christie's in London. Among the items up for bid a trench coat and a selection of portraits, personal letters, and her own film script from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Hepburn appeared in classic films such as Sabrina, Funny Face, and won the Best Actress Oscar for Roman Holiday in 1954. She died of cancer back in 1993 at the age of 63. There's another international honor for legendary Canadian author Margaret Atwood. The German Publishers and Booksellers Association is giving Atwood its Peace Prize for her keen political intuition and a deeply perceptive ability to detect dangerous and underlying developments and tendencies. The honor includes a $37,000 prize, and it comes as the 77-year-old novelist, poet, and essayist is riding a wave of newfound fame amid renewed interest in her novel, The Handmaid's Tale. I'm Bob Komsik, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. While banks may be telling us that they do have our best interests in mind, their employees are spinning a different tune. Many are saying while they are expected to represent investors' interests, they are being told their jobs rely on sales. 
Wanda Morris is VP of Advocacy of the group CARP and is a member of the Ontario Securities Commission Seniors Expert Advisory Committee. She joins us now. Why did the Commons Committee on Finance hold hearings in relation to, to banks? Uh, so many of our, our listeners have probably heard some of the stories that have come out recently where, where current and former bank employees were alleging that they were required to, to upsell their customers, to sell them products and services that they really didn't need, and essentially were putting banks' profits ahead of the customers' interests. From what you've been able to delve into and poke around Are they being truthful, these former employees? You know, it's hard to say. They were under oath, uh, but... I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but what I do know is that I think our system is fundamentally flawed and that this could have happened and we must have better regulation of the banks to uh, essentially to address the situation so that uh, employees aren't put in this situation in the future and customers' interests come first. Let's take a look at then what you're saying. What is the system and then what's wrong with it? So there, there's a number of problems. Uh, one of the issues is that uh, the banks really operate with a very little regulatory deterrence. Um, in, in Wells Fargo in the U.S., uh, a bank was accused of, of having its employees create fraudulent accounts. They paid a fine. They were fined $185 million U.S. Here in Canada, the regulator, the maximum fine they can levy is half a million dollars Canadian. So that, that's more than 370 times difference in the amount of the fines. So in the U.S., it changes behavior. In Canada, it's just a cost to the banks of doing business. Who is responsible for overseeing things then as far as the financial institutions to sort of be judge and jury, if you will, in order to determine what's right, what's wrong in this country? Mm-hmm. So it's a group called the, the FCAC. They are responsible for regulating the, the major banks, what are called the, the Schedule One banks. And I, I think we can't fault the banks for trying to, to make a profit. I mean, many of us have, have uh, done well in our mutual funds and our ETFs because we've had bank stocks. But I really do fault uh, the government in setting the regulatory powers. You, you can't uh, give somebody the responsibility to regulate banks without giving them the power to do so. Uh, I, I think another issue that, that needs to be surfaced is the fact that, fact that banks have used misleading terminology to mislead customers. Uh, people are probably familiar with the concept of an ombudsman or an ombudsperson, somebody that, uh, that uh, resolves disputes. But what's happened is that banks have created internally bank-paid ombudsmen or ombudspeople, and each of the major banks has these employees. What happens then is, as a customer, when, when they've got a complaint, the bank tries to refer them to these internal ombudspeople uh, where they're not, they can't possibly be getting a fair hearing because it's not an independent person. The ombudsperson is paid by the bank. What's worse is that when the customer is dealing with this ombudsperson, the clock is running on their statute of limitations to take something to the independent ombudsperson who could actually be in a position to give them a fair hearing. So there are some major regulatory flaws with the banks. I'm pleased that this hearing's happened. And now what I'd like to have is some changes so that customers are protected. And what about these changes you would like to see in order to better protect 
consumers. We either need to give FCAC, the, the regulator of the Schedule I banks, the power to do that regulation, or we need to constitute a new body with the powers to do so. Uh, banks are profit-making entities. We can't fault them for that, but we need to make sure that there is regulatory controls in place to protect customers. You're obviously hopeful that this comes to pass, that we see these changes. Do you anything lead you to believe that this could very well happen or you're hearing anything or you're just hoping and just observing and, and planning to keep the pressure as an advocate for uh, Zoomers uh, through CARP? The whole issue of, of protection of consumers and investors is a key one for CARP. Um, I um, suggest people go to our carp.ca website and if they haven't already done so, uh, sign up for our campaign to protect uh, their savings at carp.ca. We um, must keep the pressures on the banks. They are very effective lobbyists. They have a, a lot of money that they can invest in that. We need to make sure that our voice is heard as well. In various other campaigns, CARP maybe hasn't been the main reason, but has been key and instrumental in seeing changes on both, I guess, provincial as well as federal level. So you're hoping some more pressure through the, its members can do so again. Absolutely. And and one of the challenges is you know, when someone has a horrendous situation with uh, as a caregiver or runs into a problem at a long-term care facility, they realize that they've been wronged. One of the things that happens with investor protection and consumer protection is often people don't even realize that they've been rooked, that they've you know lost a, a potential part of their life savings or you know paid fees far and above the norm. Uh, and that's why it's it's so critical that everyone uh, who hears this message gets involved, signs on, and makes sure that uh, our banks are here to certainly to provide a service, but that customers are protected first and foremost. Our thanks to. CARP's VP of Advocacy, Wanda Morris. I'm Bob Comsick, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Did you know it's Elder Abuse Awareness Month? We'll talk to a representative from Elder Abuse Ontario when we return. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. We all know or have heard about a Zoomer being abused by a loved one, whether it's psychological or physical, the abuse can have a devastating effect on that person and their long-term health. June is Elder Abuse Awareness Month, and Rochella Vassal from Elder Abuse Ontario joins us. Rochella, what is your organization doing to recognize this very important issue? So Elder Abuse Ontario has partnered with the University of Western Ontario and the Ministry of Seniors Affairs to promote the It's Not Right campaign through neighbours, friends and families. And essentially what we're hoping to do is engage communities across the province to start the conversation. And so we have a Finish the Sentence campaign where we've reached out to uh, local schools, community centres and older adults in the community to teach them how to have the conversation and reduce isolation of older adults. Let's have that conversation. Let's do a little bit of awareness right now. Give us an example. Absolutely. So one of the things that people um, have been responding to is looking at volunteering in some of the long-term care homes or retirement homes, talking to an elderly neighbor and maybe offering 
to support them with some of their household chores or, you know, gardening. And really just, you know, saying hello. It's as simple as that. And saying, how are you doing today? What we're hoping to do is reduce some of these ageist attitudes that exist in our communities and, you know, get people, you know, back to that, you know, feeling of community. And the idea being if you have a conversation with an elder uh, relative, neighbor, something might come out in the conversation which would what be potentially a red flag? Is that what you mean in terms of finishing the, the sentence? It could be that. Um, really what we're hoping to do is reduce the isolation. Isolation is one of the biggest risk factors for elder abuse. Now, the It's Not Right campaign does go into more detail in regards to the warning signs of abuse. And some of those warning signs could be that the older adult is not attending some of the community group programs or faith group programs. Maybe somebody's moved into their home. All of a sudden, uh, you know, they've been asked to sign a power of attorney and now their house is being sold or money's missing from their accounts. Or you might see things like the older adult appears to be withdrawn or depressed. These are some of the warning signs that may, um, you know, show that this person is being mistreated. You mentioned the word abuse. The first thing I think that people associate that with is physical. But Absolutely. again, what you just finished saying would be... Uh, an example of uh, financial as well as emotional, more so that than the physical. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Bob, because the National Initiative for the Care of the Elderly actually did a prevalence study of elder abuse in Canada, and it was the largest study conducted by Dr. Lynn McDonald. And what she found that psychological abuse is the most prevalent type of abuse affecting seniors on a daily basis, and followed by psychological abuse is financial abuse. But if you think about it, you can't have financial abuse without some form of psychological abuse occurring. Elder Abuse Ontario has been around since 1990. How have the numbers gone? Are we seeing uh, peaks and valleys? Or are we just seeing a steady increase? Maybe we won't go back to 1990, but in the last, say, handful of years or so. What we are seeing, uh, especially when we're working with our 50 elder abuse networks across the province, is that there's an increase in reporting of financial abuse, which makes sense because it's easier to prove. There's typically a paper trail. But we still feel that the issue is highly, highly underreported. Many older adults are not even aware that they're being abused, and many of them don't know where to go for help and support. Is there also the shame factor, feeling that they've had one pulled over them? Absolutely. And especially if you think about it, if it's perpetrated by their adult children, their spouse or their grandchildren, they don't want their family member to be in conflict with the law or, you know, to have anyone know about what's going on in their own household. Anything else you want to touch on that maybe we haven't to this point or you'd like to expand on something that we've talked about? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we're really excited to continue with the It's Not Right campaign. What we're trying to do is engage all of our communities. Uh, It's called bystander engagement. And how you start the conversation is you have a sync it conversation. So it's see it, which is I'm seeing something that doesn't quite seem right. Name it. You know what? This looks like financial abuse. This doesn't seem right to me. This is what it is. And then check it. 
Have the conversation. Ask the older adult, are you okay? Is there anything that I can do to help? We're not trying to tell people to rescue older adults or tell them what to do. What we're asking them to do is break that isolation just by asking questions. Rochelle, thank you. Thank you, Bob. Our thanks to Rochelle Vassell from Elder Abuse Ontario. If you or someone you know is a senior being abused, you're being encouraged to call the Senior Safety Line at 1-866-299-1011 or go to their website, elderabuseontario.com, for more details. I'm Bob Comsick, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up in a moment, we celebrate the birthday of one of the Fab Four, Sir Paul McCartney. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick, in for Libby Zneimer. It's time for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. In London, audiences are flocking to a new production of Annie, where actor and comedian Miranda Hart is making her West End debut as Miss Hannigan. Annie is on stage at the Piccadilly Theatre until September 17th. In Mexico City, the first survey of its size of Andy Warhol art has opened at the Museo Umex. With works from a wide variety of institutions, including the Art Institute of Chicago and the Guggenheim. Hi, in the Swiss Alps, there's an art installation involving a bed, two nightstands and lamps, but no walls or a roof. You sleep outdoors for $300 a night, and it comes with a local farmer dressed as a butler who will tell you the weather and crack jokes in German. Swiss artists Frank and Patrick Ricklin call their work a critique of hotel culture and property ownership. And as the winter solstice arrives in Hobart, Tasmania next week, you can enjoy Black Mofo, a celebration with vaguely gothic overtones that ends with the audience being invited for an optional skinny dip at a local beach. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. He's one of the few you can truly call a living legend. Sir Paul McCartney is celebrating his 75th birthday. He was born June 18, 1942. McCartney's widely considered one of pop music's finest songwriters. With the Beatles, he penned some of the most enduring hit songs of the 20th century. In the 1970s, he continued to churn out chart toppers with his next band, Wings. And since then, he's enjoyed a very successful solo career. He's also well known for his activism for animal rights and his philanthropy towards musical education. Today, we celebrate Sir Paul's birthday with one of his most popular songs from his time with Wings, Band on the Run. Stuck inside these four walls. That was Wings with Band on the Run, Sir Paul McCartney celebrating his 75th birthday. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Comsick, and thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Dave Woodard, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.